Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Well, hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're not at home anymore, but Ah. we're not at a campground near you either. Never. Rather, we are sailing around the northern coast of Scotland Scotland. in a cruise ship. And we've just come back to our spacious cabin from uh, a session (laughs) tasting wine. (laughs) Hopefully, um, we didn't taste too much wine and we will make sense. But we are thinking of you, our dear listeners, as we we didn't want to let you down. Around Great Britain. We're taking a break from our very busy schedule to make the RV Navigator podcast for September 2010. And uh, the weather has changed dramatically for us. We have experienced now cold weather. Yeah, when it was hot at home, we were hot and humid and wearing nothing but shorts. And I tried on a few turtlenecks and couldn't imagine wearing yes. them. Yes. And here we are. Tomorrow, the forecast high is something in the 60. Maybe 50s. Maybe 60. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we haven't been plagued by like too much, much rain, but um, it's definitely not like it was at home. And that's why you travel. But, of course, we want to keep you up to date with the latest RV news and uh, and our thoughts about what's going on in the RV industry and places. So we will, hopefully, um, even though we are woefully out of date. Yes, yes. we don't know what's going on in the world. Yes. We hardly um, catch any news at all. So, But we can uh, honestly recommend uh, cruising. We have talked about it before as the RVing on steroids. We haven't had to do any cooking, that's for sure. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> or cleaning. What a shame. What a shame. And, uh, we or navigating. Up, or navigating. We just, we just up. show up and they take Wait, us nice the places. the RV navigators. <laughs> are not navigating. <laughs> we just show up and... I did bring my GPS, though. Yes, you did. You've been keeping track li- of I've our tried to bring home. as much technology. We only have three computers, which is down two from the usual in the RV. And boy, <laughs> did you get nailed at the security lady. Mm, you just had too much equipment. Yes, she did not like that at all. And you're minus some screwdrivers now. God only knows why. <laughs> but as most of you know, we've been cruising for about 40 years. And if you haven't taken a cruise, you really might consider it. Um, they're actually very reasonably priced these days. And they are much different than they used to be. They kind of uh, had a reputation as the newlyweds, the geezers, and the people who wanted to eat a lot. The, the newlywed, <laughs> the nearly dead, and the well-fed. That was it. Well, we can say wait, we're... Wait, wait. Which were we? That, well, was 40, that was 40 years ago. Well, when we were but newlyweds. The, the new megaships have really changed that uh, that sort of stereotype because we now have ships that have um, are very food conscious and they have, well, what I call California food. <laughs> Sorry for those folks in California. Um, the little bean sprouts and uh, sandwiches that are almost nothing. And sushi. And sushi and... So and it, it is definitely possible, and you know, all sorts of diets can be accommodated. And there's always so a vegetarian sure. entree on the menu. Vegetarian entrees on the menu. So it is possible to eat very healthy, and even the wonderful desserts, which are always the bane of my existence, they cut into very small portions, so you feel a little less naughty trying three or four of them. And they're not the uh, let's get on a bus and take a short excursion or take a tour sort of adventures. In actuality, we found that. Uh, 
we go on some really fascinating shore excursions because they are offering ones that are of interest to those of kind of active nature. We've gone on, well, we were planning on going on two bike rides, but we had to skip a port, so we only went on one. We've gone on several hikes or walking adventures as part of the shore excursion. So, And tomorrow we're scheduled to go on a four-wheel photo. drive. Photo safari, photo safari through the Scottish Moors. So whatever type of interest that you have, uh, most of the ships will offer you a shore excursion. Or, of course, you can go off on your own. But a shore excursion that will be of interest to you and your family um, because that's uh, become kind of second nature for many of the cruise ships these days. They're big enough that they can offer enough activities to actually keep everybody uh, involved and interested. And we've kind of gotten away from the, the big production uh show that has been featured, the Las Vegas type of show, and now they have ice shows, they have Cirque du Soleil, we have the Blue Man Group, and no fixed time for meals, which is also something that uh, was kind of a staple of the cruise industry. We have gone to anytime dining so that you can just go down and uh, have a meal whenever you feel like it, and it can either be served or buffet style. They're very reasonably priced, as we kind of think about $100 a day as the price that we want to pay, and we've gotten them for substantially less. And, you know, it's just a matter of finding the right season and the right ship. But because uh, the cruise line brought on about 14 new ships this year, that means that uh, there are lots of cabins bargains, to be filled. Lots of cabins to be filled, and they have to be filled every day. So they're out looking for your business. And if you can just fly there, <laughs> you can. You can get yourself some bargains. As a matter of fact, this uh, cruise left from London. Um, London's port is Southampton. And we have a lot of British people on board. Surprise, surprise. Who booked, who booked at the last minute for much cheaper fares than we had, because they can. And we've been very surprised that uh, the, how cheap the fares have really been for them. As little as 50 pounds a night, which would translate to about $75. Um, and that's uh, a true bargain for anybody. And we're surprised at how many Brits have not actually visited their country. We could understand it when we were in Australia because that's a big country, but this country you can drive from one end to the other in a day, I think. Few people understand that you can drive from London to Edinburgh in six hours. Right. And that's going virtually the whole populated north to south of England. And we just finished the last summer weekend. Uh, we were in Ireland at the time, and we saw many... Uh, cars pulling trailers, they call them caravans here, on the road, people taking advantage of that final uh, summer holiday weekend. So camping is obviously popular and their here. Their kids don't go back in s to school until the second week of September, so we have a little bit of time left for them to enjoy the summer holidays, even though it's substantially cooler here than it has been at home or is at home ever. Uh, air conditioning is not all that common, although, of course, the ship is air conditioned. But we have not been able to use the pools. There are actually people out there trying to help you buy that portable <laughs> radar detector. God bless them. God bless them. Well, I don't know if I'm going to buy it, but we've we've actually gotten some emails. And we've heard from some of you nice folks. And just after I we did the last podcast, I got two emails about uh, my radar gun, which I have not bought yet. But it says, one of them says, I have... 
the radar gun, and I use it and I use it to monitor the speed of passing vehicles in campgrounds, and also to use it to measure the speed between you and a moving vehicle you are coming up behind, making calculation and getting an idea of the other vehicle's speed. Hmm. Other uses are kids. <laughs> How fast can you run game? There's the throw the ball game and get kids lined up and tire them out game. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you can measure the speed of hail balls. None of these are practical except for the grandkids and, and children. So that's a, a kind of a word from Brian. And thank you very much, Brian, for sending us that. Nothing there that is compelling for me. Not having the kids out there and... What a shame. Yes. So my money stays in the pocket. And we heard from another listener, but unfortunately they didn't leave us our name, but they sent it from their iPhone. And this one says, I use a police speed gun to set and set it on zero, <laughs> zero miles and assist in finding lost a lost child in a cornfield. You got it. I don't know. So it picks up any movement? Is I that, guess so. Uh-huh. A couple of rows at a time. I also use it to pick up the speed of our canines, track motion from high. Yeah, he wrote on his phone something, <laughs> picking up speed. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't read all this email because it was written on his, on his iPhone. And we can't read some of the words. Anyway, public waste. It sounds like he's using it as a, as a device to find people who are approaching a checkpoint in Iraq. Ah, yes. Oh, okay. my gosh, if he's listening to this from Iraq. Okay, so... Well, we thank you for sending us the emails, and uh, we always appreciate hearing from you. Dear listeners, and if you'd like to send us an email, it's navigator at rvnavigator.com. And, of course, you are probably already visiting our website at rvnavigator.com. And we do like to hear from you, and, of course, we do keep in touch even while we are on the high seas, even though it's quite expensive. And, by the way, if you don't hear this right away or if this is not posted right away, you know that it got hung up someplace in the ether as I try to upload it on a satellite connection. On a bobbing ship. On a bobbing ship in the middle of the ocean. Fifty cents an hour. Yeah, Fifty, 50 cents, cents a minute. <laughs> so our biggest expense is not web hosting or making the podcast. It's uploading, uploading. It from uh, the far corners of the world. But that's cruising, and we're kind of used to that by now because we've done this a few times, and we know it will get uploaded eventually. But this, of course, brings up an interesting topic, and that is uh, how have we adapted to the low tech of our travels? Uh, well, know, one, one thing that has changed for us, I think, is that we used to go to town when we'd get off a cruise ship and run to an Internet cafe and mm-hmm. try to get some cheaper Internet minutes. Um, but these days, all of them are closed, and the way to go is to go to a cafe because many cafes let you use free Internet as long as you buy a cup of coffee. Well, and I think one of the things that's happened to me is is that I've come to, kind of come to be connected at all times, and I'm really frustrated by the fact that my iPhone, which I know I still carry, with me because I like to have it's the, not just an iPod and the iPods capabilities, but now it doesn't have any data service because data service over here to bring it over from the U.S. is just outrageously expensive. Are you in withdrawal? I'm in withdrawal, absolutely, until we find a Wi-Fi connection and then we can use it. But, you know, we use it at home. We kind of forget how often we use it. Oh, here we are. Let's uh, find some place to have lunch. <laughs> type it in and uh, it tells us all the lunch places around us or we're looking for a store or we're looking for this we were we're looking for 
a just a, a general kind of hardware-ish type of store. And it would have been so easy at home just to type in hardware store into the iPhone, rather, and it would just tell us where it is in relation to us and give us a map. But here, I can't do that. And often we are in places, and I suddenly realize that I don't know as much about them as I would like to. Uh, we were in Belfast, Northern Ireland, which got me to thinking about all the political problems they've been having virtually throughout my life. And I wanted to read more about it, but yes. I had to wait until I had a cup of coffee and an internet <laughs> cafe I place the, before the I could look it up. one of those transformative devices for us, and uh, I think we forget how often we use it and expect it. You know, it doesn't even keep the very good time here. You, if you change time zones, it doesn't know. But at home, you get off the airplane in Los Angeles, and it knows that it's a, a new time zone, and it automatically has adjusted. Let's face it, you're an addict. Oh, so now I have to set my watch manually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dear listeners, how about you? Have you do you think you are overly connected, or does this not bother you at all? In the RV, I think we've kind of worked around it because we have, well, we have the iPhone connected to the data service, and we have, albeit slow internet, but uh, we do have internet. And more service. and more campgrounds these days are getting internet, too. That's gotten to be less of a problem. And I and I frankly think that we're going we're going to see a big revolution in the very near future as cable companies come under the gun from internet service, and we're going to see Apple introducing a new app, what's rumored to be called the ITV, and with Google TV coming out, they're going to be competing dramatically with the services that are offered by cable companies. And instead of you being connected to a cable company, you just have internet, and you will be on watching all the programs that you want to watch. Wouldn't it be nice just to get HBO for a day, or buy one HBO movie, or one HBO series, rather than ha having the whole lineup. What's going to happen, I believe, is is that ITV is going to come along, and it's going to be iPhone OS based, which means that you can buy apps. And and right now, who cares about whether Hulu has an app for the iPhone? I mean, I just can't watch movies on the iPhone. But if you take a iPhone type device and hook it up to a TV set and put that app on it. Aha! Now I have for ten dollars a month cable service through Hulu for my TV set. Now that's a transformation, and of course, these apps are going to be very cool because the content providers are still going to be getting their money. They don't like the web pages because they don't get money for them, and it's hard to deliver good content through the web through the web interface but with an app they can charge you exactly what they want to or you can you'll be able to negotiate it anyway and you can decide when you want to get the service so this is going to be a big transformation in hopefully by christmas she's shaking her head she can't find it well, I was thinking as you were complaining about your lack of internet that you could be trying to camp in China, oh, yes. which has been <laughs> trying very hard to uh, to join us in our passion. And of course, as the Chinese get to be more affluent, more and more of them can afford RVs, but there's really hardly anywhere to go yet in their country. And many of them have just learned how to drive cars within the last 10 years, and now they have to learn how to drive <laughs> considerably bigger vehicles. But they did have their first big RV show. 
and in, in Beijing, and people have a hard time finding a place to park their RVs. Um, but there is a new campground near a scenic spot, uh, which is kind of the Japanese approach from what we've read, where you find some tourist attraction that people are going to anyway. That's out in the country, and they're building some campgrounds. So this is not really uh, far fetched. The the Chinese are building an RV infrastructure and industry that could rival the United States's uh, in some time. Um, although we are supposed to have 16,000 campgrounds and they have 15. Well, it's a start. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if they bought some of the vehicles from Elkhart, Indiana? Probably not. Probably they'll build their own. But. Oh, I think they're going to build their own for sure. And we <laughs> Yes, that could be quite interesting. Let's ship to the Chinese. Well, it's a huge new market. Yes, kinda. indeed. In three days, more than 3,000 people attended the rally, and about 10% of those without an RV were interested in ordering one. And um, one lady that they interviewed was practicing driving her RV because she was going to be taking a trip from wherever she is in China to Europe. I can't imagine that. <laughs> Driving across, <laughs> driving across oh China into Europe. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, once you get insane. to Europe, there are a lot of campgrounds, but the in between, I'm not quite sure. They, this article says Europe has 30,000 RV campsites, and the U.S. only has 16,000. We think that's an error, and the Chinese have several dozen. Campsites are so rare in China that I always park my RV in a local farmer's courtyard, said Li Jibao, an RV owner in his 50s who attended the rally and has taken his family to all parts of China except some other region I can't pronounce, um, in his RV since 2007. And what kind of connections do you suppose? He said have? an RV campsite requires more than just grass. It requires water and recharging facilities and also facilities to deal with waste and to guarantee sanitation and hygiene. Sounds like he knows what's going Excellent on. Excellent idea. So will Ken and Martha, your RV navigators, be traveling to China to test out the RV facilities in this in this new realm? Probably not. Well, you in the near future, anyway. Whether you're going to go to China or not, you still need to pay attention to the feng shui of your <laughs> RV. Oh no, the feng shui. According to this article. No, but but an R, but an RV moves. How but, can you but have it's, feng shui? It's how you arrange the things in your RV. <laughs> Um, oh, some of the things right? make sense to me, like clear up the clutter. I would, <laughs> That's feng shui. I would applaud that. Get rid of things you don't need or love. So you want you... positive chi to move freely. Uh-huh. Put your seats at right angles to each wait, other. Wait, wait, wait. I've got to lie down here. We'll put my hands together, fold it over my face. And go, hmm. <laughs> and, and put your seats at right angles. And the most, most RVs I've been in, the seating is where the seating is, pretty much. Well, I think manufacturers should start thinking about feng shui. Make sure that the coaches, <laughs> the couches and the bed don't face away from the entrance. There again, my bed is wherever the manufacturer is the stove in your kitchen area should not be across from the refrigerator or sink. The practical reason is that you don't want to, the heat to go in your refrigerator as it will consume more electricity. Uh -huh. The feng shui reason is you don't want the elements of fire and water to clash. The elements of fire and water. If you have a pet turtle, do not bring him along. <laughs> Maybe well, this, uh, this article is just full of great tips. Dear re listeners, you need to explain this to us. 
Pick your parking spot wisely. Stay away from electric poles as the magnetic fields will disrupt your sleep. Okay. Well, if you would like some more information about feng shuiing your RV, RV please contact us. <laughs> then again, on second thought. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> we are just not into feng shui. Watch out because there was a woman in Canada whose husband was driving her no I don't even think it was her husband I think it was her well, she was an elderly woman and they were she, she was, was 67 with a male, she was traveling with a male companion in, in a motorhome which was going 60 miles an hour down the highway and as she walked toward the back of the vehicle she put her hand on a swivel chair near the <laughs> oh, rear side entrance the chair turned she stumbled down onto the step area of the entrance and against the unlocked door the door opened and she fell onto the pavement on the right <laughs> berm of the highway I can easily imagine this happening fell right out the door and her her companion who was 78 noticed that she that the door opened and slapped shut and that she was missing and he looked back and she wasn't there it was oh. good that he noticed a driver behind the motorhome oh. called 911 no other vehicles were involved she was taken to the hospital oh. by helicopter and you said you read a follow-up article and that she was going to be okay well she broke a couple of bones and uh -huh. had a lot of scrapes and stuff uh -huh. and was going to spend a fair amount of time in the hospital, but she will recover. So is this saying that I should stop wandering around in our motorhome while you're driving? Well, we only have the one door. We only have Just well, stay they away. Did they did two, but there was a, in the it rear. was in the middle. Just stay you know, away from gas, the door. Most gas class A is the... Then I could just fall down in the hall and break my leg, but at least <laughs> oh, I'll still we shouldn't be... Make, we shouldn't make no, jokes No, that would be terrifying. That would be, yes. I guess this the real message here is to lock your doors and make mm -hmm. sure they're very securely that it shut won't, so won't that open up, open up if you fall wire. against it it is good news that uh, things are picking up in Elkhart the home of RV manufacturing and that uh, we can expect to see uh, actually some positive results from <laughs> sales and that shipments of RVs are up in a major way um, in the order of 100% over last year at this time, which is really not all that good, but it certainly is much better than it was last year. In the first six months of 2010, um, shipping, the amount of RVs they shipped was up 87% over the same period in 2009. It's impressive. Boy. The recession wasn't the only factor that impacted the RV market, according to Rick Nevin, sales manager of an RV center. High gas prices just before the recession already took hold before the recession made its mark. In the last few years, oversized luxury fifth wheels and motorhomes were passed over by consumers for smaller units that were easier to tow or drive. However, that trend now seems to be turning around. People are starting to go bigger again, he said. Before the recession, we had some high gas costs, and it seemed like the smaller the better. But now we seem to be getting a lot of the little stuff in on trade as people get into the bigger stuff again so people must be feeling better well we should talk a little bit about uh, RVing here in uh, England we found out that uh, that the prices of fuel are is just staggeringly high here as as we've always known but uh, diesel was about six dollars a gallon no I think it was I think it was even more than that it oh. was a pound 20 per, per gallon, liter per per liter no pound 20 yes per, per liter. liter and that that comes out to a, just a huge amount okay we just did some math and it looks like the price of diesel around here in no, England. this is this is actually gas oh gas 
Is but, diesel more? I didn't notice. Uh, very comparable. It's um, $6.80 a gallon. $6.80 in France. It's uh, a little less. In Germany, a little less. In Italy, a little less. Norway, about the same. But the cheapest uh, place to drive your RV is Spain. And, uh, Spain. <laughs> at 93 pence per liter. Um, I'm looking through the RV magazine here from Great Britain. That you bought locally. And one of the things that strikes me is how thick this is. Um, They are putting this magazine out specifically as a pre-VAT increase issue. VAT is a different way of paying for your sales tax. Um, And... You pay for this. You don't actually add the sales tax on after you make the sale. It's just included built into, into the, the price product price. Valuated tax, and apparently, starting in January, they're going to have an increase in the VAT. So everything is going to go up in price, but it'll be reflected actually in the price and not in the final bill, as it is with us, because it's included. So VAT is going up, and this this magazine. So which, people are which encouraged called, to buy an RV, which is called the- Motor. Caravan Motor Home dash Motor Home Monthly, MMM. Motor Caravan, of course, is <laughs> I don't know what the difference is. Motor Home and Motor Motor Caravan. Well, caravan is the word they use for RVs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but what's a motor home then? It's it's very interesting to read this because there are all sorts of uh, differences that I find. Um, one of the things that's really a kind of a shock is is that the Vanagon is still for sale. <laughs> Last month, we talked about the historic RV exhibition that we saw at the rally, rally in Louisville. In Louisville. <laughs> and we saw somebody actually living still in a Vanagon, which, as everybody <laughs> remembers from the 60s, is the hippie mobile. And it is the love machine. The love machine. <laughs> With the VW Beetle bus top, and, and it flips up. And, and they're and still turn, for sale. And here. they're still for sale here. A 2010 Vanagon. Is twenty two hundred twenty two no twenty three thousand pounds, and the multiply British that pound by, is by one and a half. So, this is about um, thirty five thousand dollars. That's not too bad, and it's got the pop up top and everything. And they make VW actually makes a new one that is uh, a new shape vehicle, which is a little bit more expensive, but uh, looks a lot like the old Vanagon, and it has the cloth sides on the top that pops up. Well, certainly with the price of gas here, you have to go smaller, and these countries are also small, thank goodness, so you can't burn too much gas like you do when you drive across Texas for three days. And you remember last month we mentioned uh, that uh, pop-ups are something we have not talked about and that uh, one of our listeners is actually starting a pop-up podcast as well as already has a pop-up website that we put on the webpage last month. But, you know, I look through the RV magazines here and I see no pop-ups, which is a very strange thing to me because they're easily pulled by very small vehicles. Uh, a more economical way more to go, more economical too. way to go, and you just don't see any pop-ups here. And tents are fairly popular here, too. So you'd expect to see some sort of pop-ups, but uh, we've, on the road, I haven't seen any. No. Um, And we've spent a fair amount of time driving around on the roads because we have been in buses. Class A's are much, much smaller than they are at home, and they are fully equipped, but the quarters are obviously much smaller than we would 
<laughs> that we would expect. But it seems like a logical thing would be to export them to the United States, but we're waiting to see that happen. So we have a lot, just uh, one more topic that we would like to share with you today. Uh, we went to the rally, as we just mentioned a few minutes ago, in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, and we went to a session that was called The Top Ten Reasons for RV Breakdowns. <laughs> a couple of uh, good Sam texts, text, and they were talking about why the calls they get and how they get them fixed. And so, you know, this kind of helps you to keep track of uh, these systems so that you can make sure that you're not one of the people that has to call them to get your RV fixed. And certainly the theme that I took from the specifics that they talked about was that <coughs> it's really smart to do a lot of routine maintenance ahead of time before you have breakdowns and to not just leap go into the, your go to the Spartan rally. <laughs> leap into your vehicle and start driving uh, because chances are a spider has crawled into some little nook and cranny and spun a web, and now the refrigerator won't vent properly. And yeah, you, you yeah. have to pay attention to those things um, routinely. The number one thing that they said that causes problems is batteries. What about them? Well, you have two systems, and uh, and these batteries have to be maintained. You have to put water in them every once in a while, usually, and you have to keep track of them. And they have to be replaced every once in a while. And nothing is worse than to come out and try to start your RV, and their batteries are dead. When it's four below zero. When it's four below zero. And, of course, number two is tires. And I think everybody understands that tires go bad with age, not only mileage, but age. And that uh, you should kind of block them from the sun if you can, especially if you're parked for any length of time, and pay attention to them. Low inflation, overinflation, have your, have your RV weighed so that you know how high the inflation, how much air pressure you should keep in the tires, and drive safely. Don't drive too fast. It was very interesting. I forget the company. I think it was Goodyear that's being sued right now for making RV tires that were overrated. Oh. So they the rated them for too high a weight, weight? and uh -huh. then many of them blew out and Oh, that's and dangerous. the company was not uh, was negligent frankly because they Oof, they just um, and you trust. I mean, how would you know? You have to trust what they tell you. Yeah, you go by what's on the sidewall. That's like the word of God, as far as I can see. Air problems. Okay, air problems on diesels, yes. Uh, you know, filters and all sorts of things get inside, and you need to check out uh, the, all of the air systems that, uh, that need service. The lug nuts, and we've seen this. <laughs> Especially on your trailers, are they torqued to the right uh, tightness? You might lose a wheel, and we actually saw this happen once, that the wheel was actually floating down the road <laughs> without a vehicle. And because the lug nuts had just plain come loose, in the, I guess, and the wheel had just slipped off. And, and on an RV trailer, this can happen. So you need to check your lug nuts every once in a while to make sure that they are properly tightened. Number five, wheel bearing grease. Pack the bearings and make sure, oh, if there's a star pattern of grease on the wheel, then make sure that uh, you do pack them again because that means that there's a leak. And check the brake controller, which is the gizmo that connects your RV to the trailer to the tow vehicle to make sure that it's actually applying the brakes at the appropriate time. Slides are a number, number six big problem. 
visual examination. He said, look at the paint lines to make sure that they are still aligned when the slide is in because it was ah. painted to all look the same. And if it's coming out of alignment, you should be able to see it from the paint lines. Uh-huh. Uh, shear pins are the biggest problem, and they are easily replaced if you know what to do. A shear pin is designed to break instead of causing damage to the to, to the mechanism, and you could put a new one in to see if uh, the mechanism will work after the motor has tried to do its thing and can't and breaks the shear pin. And they said leaks are a common problem, but what surprised me is they said not to use silicone. Mm. Don't use silicone on the rubber seals on the slides because then they don't grip the wall and, and make a firm seal. Yeah. So that the rain doesn't come in? Yeah, they said don't wax the, the sides of your slides. And I know we've done that. Of course we do. I don't know. They said you get a lot of water coming in that way because the rubber can't adhere adhere to the sides when it's very slick as a result of being waxed. That seems strange to me. Number seven, automatic doorsteps. What about them? (laughs) (laughs) Pay attention to your automatic doorsteps. Make sure they're in. Make sure they're out. No. These are just my notes. I'm sorry. For air circulation in your fridge, one thing we, we always have is a little fan because these RV fridges Well, that's not the circulation we're talking about. Don't have circulation like about cir- in your house. No, we're not talking about circulation inside the fridge. Who cares about that? Well, Me. Okay. It makes the cool, okay, coolness that's, that's, go around. That's... keeps the food good. No, we're talking about making the cool. Oh. This is... Oh, my. Air circulation on this the outside. This is on the outside. Of course, your refrigerator has basically no moving parts. It has a heating element and then a kind of a chimney stack. And especially RVs that have the the refrigerator in the slide, because they don't have any real chimneys, so they have a kind of just a vent at the top, which is not as good as the ones that have the vent on the roof. Therefore, you have to be very careful and make sure that there is plenty of air circulation on the uh, across the the fins, so that uh, the refrigeration system will work. Ours has actually worked very well, and and all of our RVs. But we just had a friend who had a big problem, and he found out that it was the fans. <laughs> you mentioned fans, which is what I thought you were going to talk about. There are fans in the chimney stack on the outside, which help circulate the air, and they go on at a certain temperature, and then they pull the air from the bottom and push it out the top and keep the air flowing across the fins as her eyes glaze over. <laughs> she has nothing to say to that. Clean the AC coils on your roof air conditioner and the inside air filters. Our air filters on the inside are very small, and I'm always having to clean them. So, But getting out there and cleaning the ones on the outside is difficult, and you don't use a hose. Because you could bend them? Because you could bend them, and then you'll cause reduced airflow. And number 10. And I know people are dying to know what this one is. Fuel filters. And this can cause lots of power losses. And remember that diesels usually have at least two, so that you need to replace them both on a regular basis. Boy, are we full of great tips or what? <laughs> we're doing the best <laughs> well, that we, we try, can. We try to go to things and Even listen and then are... pay attention and bring the, this exciting news to our listeners. Even though we are far away from home and any campgrounds near anybody, <laughs> we're doing our best to we stay have not in seen touch a campground. 
keep you well informed, and we promise to do even better when we're home again. Because for the next podcast, we will be home. We will be home again. And hopefully we will have some exciting and dynamic news about the RV world. Oh, we did want to mention one more thing, and that is um, a new product that I saw, (laughs) which is also very exciting, a new set of leveling blocks. But because I don't have web access here, I can't. I'll have to just put it on the web page. Oh. However, understand that the web page might be a little bit slow in being put up this month because, once again, I have we're no struggling. Way of, I have no way of making it, or well, I do have a way of making it, but I can't put it up there. Can't verify the websites and. Oh well. Oh well. Excuses, excuses. I know. We're sorry. Please. No, excuse we're not us. that sorry, or, or we'd stay home. <laughs> We're only a little sorry. (laughs) Okay, dear listeners, we are going to tune out here. And I hope that your summer has been good and the hope that your RV travels are exciting and that you will see you in a campground in the not-too-distant future. Enjoying the fall colors. Talk to you soon.